0: I am so excited and I'm so honored to be here with you today and to share the word. And if you uh, weren't here last week, so we're in week two of our series, Grown Up Faith. And this series is based off of a book by Kevin Myers. And it's a six-week series that we're jumping into as a church. And all across the county, we have connect groups that are happening right now. And we're reading the book along uh, with the church. And so I would just encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to join a connect group yet, you got to do it. You're missing out if you're not part. And it's not too late. You can text the word CONNECT to the Movement Church number and jump into what God is doing these next few weeks. We're so excited. And I know for me personally, I've, I've been a Christian for a really long time, and this book does such a phenomenal job just outlining the big picture story of the Bible and kind of giving you a 30,000-foot view of what God's doing. And it's changing my life, and I know it's going to change yours. So jump into a CONNECT group. Um, Well, let's, let's take a minute and let's lean into what God wants to do today. Can I pray? Let's bow our heads. God, you are so good and you're so faithful. I pray today that you would open our ears and our hearts to what you want to say to us today. God, help me to communicate the word that you've put on my heart. We invite you here today to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, my name's Katie, and my husband was out here earlier, and we're the children's pastors here. And, and we, we, Joe and I have been married um, almost 15 years. We got married when we were 10. It's fine. Um, but we have two kids. Gavin, our oldest son, is 14, and he's going into high school. And our younger son, he's back there on the camera somewhere, and our younger son, Lincoln, is 9. And he's just a spitfire in and of himself, but, but Lincoln loves Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, all the parents in the room, can you feel my pain of Chuck E. Cheese? Okay, I don't know what it is about this place, but he loves it. And for the past five years, we've told our kids instead of doing like a big birthday celebration, that we would take them somewhere. And without fail, for the past five years, Lincoln has chosen Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. Chuck E. Cheese is is not my thing. I'm kind of a germaphobe, and when I step foot in a Chuck E. Cheese, I just wish that I was wearing like a hazmat suit or something, because it's just, it's too much for me. And you know, being the just amazing, loving mother that I am, have taken my child there for the last five years. And Lincoln loves the games, and he's actually quite good at them at this point now, but he, the real enticing part for Chuck E. Cheese is the prizes, right? And that is equally as painful of an experience as you're trying to get out the door, right? But he, he has this down to a science, so he can rock that skee-ball, he can play all the games, and he gets like maybe five tickets. You know, they're like, they give you nothing for them. And so without fail, The last 15 minutes before it's time to go, he has this down to a science, I'm telling you, he will make his way to this other game. Now, this other game is the Wheel of Fortune game. The Wheel of Fortune game requires no skill whatsoever, and you literally just pull the lever down in hopes that you're gonna get like a jackpot spot, right? And so he is over there, and he's like putting in the coins as quickly as he can, and he's pulling that lever like so hard, just praying, and I'll never forget two years ago, he, he won the jackpot, like legitimately 1,500 tickets or something ridiculous. And it's kind of this experience where like the lights are going off and the bells are ringing. And all I could think of is like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Like this just <laughs> extended the trip by like 30 minutes, right? But you can imagine Lincoln's face. Right as these tickets are pouring out, he won the jackpot. He is elated, and he's even more excited about the possibility of the prizes that he is going to get to pick out in just a few minutes. And today we're going to dive into the story of Abraham. And Abraham won the jackpot, so to speak. He won the jackpot. Now, I actually want to pause for a minute here and just say, because I know there's some of you in the room who maybe are new to church, and you're just checking this out. And can I just say, we say this a lot here, but we really believe it. Permission to belong before you believe. And maybe some of you haven't ever heard the story of Abraham before, and that's okay. I'm gonna do my best to summarize it for you here. But we're gonna jump into Genesis chapter 12. And the scripture will be behind me, but you can also text notes if you wanna take notes with me. And uh, the scripture says, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those that treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham goes to get this blessing, and this is where everything changes for him. Now, remember last week we talked about this visual. It's a, a pyramid, and the Bible is, is divided into two parts. We have the Old Testament, um, which is the beginning part of the Bible, and then we have the New Testament. And there's five main events in the Old Testament and five main events in the New Testament. And they're actually mirror images of each other. And so last week, Pastor Kerry talked through these five major events. And if you missed it, you gotta podcast it. You can get to it on our website, but it's really gonna lay a great foundation for where we're gonna pick up today. So the first five events, and you can follow along up here behind me, um, God created man, right? God and his righteous people, and they're in paradise. Everything is perfect, they have a great relationship. But then we have Satan enters, and sin enters, and sin is going to separate us from God. Then the world is judged and destroyed, and we essentially get a do-over, but we mess it up again, and then there's a one-world government. And so it's left kind of hanging there. Like, what's going to happen next? And, and then God makes a turn, and he changes everything with Abraham, And that's just the nature of our God. He always makes a turn towards us. This series is all about questions. All of us have thousands and thousands of questions that we wrestle with every single day. And essentially, all of those questions can boil down to 10 big questions. And that's what this book really goes through and answers using the Bible. So last week, Pastor Kerry talked about the first two questions. Is life an accident or am I here on purpose? And the second question was why do bad things happen to good people? So today I'm going to unpack the next two questions, which is can I really trust God? And why can't I make my own rules? So if we're living this perfect life, right, the minute that something bad happens, we quit trusting God. And I think In Orange County, that's so easy. We can seemingly have these perfect lives, right? These great jobs and nice cars, and we have it all together. But the minute something hits, we withhold our trust. We see this with Adam and Eve in the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, right? They quit trusting God and we lost. So now what's lost has to be rebuilt. And I love this story of Abraham because it is such a good reminder that God is forever good, trust his word. I would encourage you to write that down. That's kind of our first main point today. God is forever good, trust his word. In Genesis chapter 12, we see those three promises unfold. God specifically gives Abraham three promises. The first one is a great nation. God was going to make many descendants out of Abraham. The second promise was a great land. God was going to give them a promised land. And then the last promise was a great Messiah. So here we have the three promises, a great nation, a great land, and a great Messiah. And so why is this so important? Why is these three promises so crucial to the story? Well, this outlines what God is doing. So from the story of Abraham all the way through Exodus, actually God fulfills that first promise of making Abraham a great nation. Then the great nation came into bondage or slavery with Egypt. And so from the freedom of Israel from Egypt all the way through the New Testament, God fulfills that second promise of a great land. He gives them and moves them into the promised land. The last promise, a great Messiah, God foretells the fulfillment of that promise through Jesus, right? He sends Jesus, and he says in the scripture, through you all the nations will be blessed. He's referring to Jesus. God made a promise, and he kept them. But if you don't know the story of Abraham and Sarah, there's actually a problem in the story. So Sarah can't have kids. She's barren. So how can God make Abraham a great nation and have, it says in the scripture, more, more descendants than the stars in the sky or the sand on the earth if Abraham and Sarah can't have one child, right? This is what Abraham has to wrestle through. And previously in the scripture in chapter 11, verse 30, it says that Sarah was unable to become pregnant and had no children. That scripture precedes the promise that God had given Abraham. Okay, Abraham and Sarah, they were in their 20s and 30s and like newlyweds and just kind of figuring this out. No, Sarah was 75 years old. Abraham and Sarah had known this for a long time, but yet they still chose to trust God even when they didn't see a way. Maybe you have found yourself there before. God has given you a promise and, and you believe it and you want God to fulfill it, but yet there's something that seems impossible about that promise. We get a little bit more of the story in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you. Your reward will be great. God is saying, Trust me. Trust me. And that's the next big question that you have to wrestle through. Can you trust God? Right? God is answering it in the scripture right here. He's saying, of course you can. Of course you can. God doesn't lie. So God makes a covenant with Abraham. And a covenant is just a fancy word for a promise that cannot be broken. Okay, remember, we're in the the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, right then we're just focusing on that first part of the pyramid Jesus came and fulfilled the old testament and wrote a new covenant which is the new testament but abraham says i'm going to trust and he believed in genesis chapter 12 verse 6 he says that abraham believed the lord and the lord counted him righteous because of his faith and to be honest with you, things didn't play out the way that Abraham had hoped they would. I mean, don't you think if God had given Abraham this dream that things would like start to happen, maybe within a year, they'd get pregnant, they'd start having kids, right? God said a great nation, that's more than one, so we better get this thing moving, right? And that's not what happened. Have you ever, have you ever had a dream that you've won the lottery? Okay, it's like amazing, right? And you're just like buying all the cars and the house and just everything is amazing. And then you wake up. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's no, take me back. I want to go back, right? That's what happened. Abraham was was disappointed. He felt like he got this dream, but yet nothing everything was exactly the way it was before. It wasn't even in 5, 10, 15 years. It was 25 years later that God delivered on the original promise that he had given to Abraham. What a great reminder that it is not in our timing. It's God's timing. And it's his perfect timing, not ours. You know, God is so gracious, and He's so loving, and He wants to bless us. But it requires trust on our part. And I was thinking and preparing for this message. I was thinking of a time in my life that I felt that God really stretched me to trust Him when it was really, really difficult. And, and I was brought back to a time I was about 10 years old. And we had always been really close with my cousins and my aunt and uncle. And um, my aunt and uncle had recently moved to Colorado. And my, one of my cousins, she was in high school at the time, she was 16, she went hiking with some of her friends um, on her lunch break. And they had gone a little bit farther than they wanted to, and so they were going to be late to come back to school. And my cousin was, she just had this adventurous spirit to her. And so she decided to go a different way back. Well, what ended up happening so tragically was that she slipped and fell. And she fell hundreds of feet. She almost died, and she was in a coma for a long time. She had severe brain damage, and I remember as a 10-year-old just praying and just believing for a miraculous healing for my cousin's life. We had a community of people praying, and, and I remember as I was praying for healing, could I expect God to miraculously wake up my cousin and heal her? Absolutely. Absolutely. God does miracles today. But as I was praying for healing for my cousin, did that mean that God must heal my cousin in order for him to be trustworthy? No. I had to choose in that moment to trust God and know that he was in the midst of this circumstance despite the outcome, right? It wasn't what we thought would happen. I know that God loves to bless us. Over and over in the Bible, God gives us promises that we can hold onto and we can believe about God because he is faithful. You know, God is forever good. It says in Luke 18, verse 18, God is with us in Hebrews 13, verse 5. God gives his peace amidst problems. In John 16:33 God gives us strength to endure, chapter four, Philippians 4:13. 4, God works all things for good in Romans 8:28. Someone needs to be reminded of that today that God works all things for good. We can be rewarded for fully following Jesus in Mark 10, verse 29 through 31. right? These are promises that God gives to us so You have to settle. Who are you going to trust? Your trust cannot be contingent on the outcome of your circumstance. Right? Either you are fully trusting God or you're trusting something else. Maybe you're trusting yourself a little bit too much. I love this scripture. It's been just a life verse for me. And it says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Right? That is a promise from God. When times are hardest, that is when our trust is tested the most. Abraham and Sarah grew up in their faith. They became a great nation, and they had many descendants. God fulfilled his promise I love what the scripture says in Genesis 21, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And I love this part. This happened at just the time God said it would. God's timing is perfect and his promise will be fulfilled. And so that brings us to our next point, that God is forever good, follow his rules. So now if we settle, okay, I'm going to fully trust God. I'm going to want to follow his rules, right? The Israelites found themselves under the power of the Egyptians. Moses comes in and starts to set them free and takes them into the desert. Okay, remember the second promise, right? The promised land. This is where that comes in. So it takes us to our second question. Why can't I make my own rules? Now, show of hands... Raise your hand if you are a rule follower in the room, okay? You are my people. Thank you. Okay, the rest of you guys just need help, okay? Um, You know, as I was thinking about this question, why can't I make my own rules? I'm thinking, I don't want to make my own rules. Like, they're already there. I'm good with that, right? Um, But so easily, I think I'm guilty of interpreting the rules the way that I want them to, or sometimes even thinking that my rules are better than someone else's rules? Okay. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, we, we have the release of the bondage from, Israel, from Egypt. And God says, if you obey me fully, keep my covenant. You will be my treasured people. I will be your ruler. Follow my rules. It doesn't get any more clear cut than that, right? God says, follow my rules. So If we're trusting God, then we need to allow him to rule our lives, right? God's rules are truth. If we know the truth, we're gonna chase it. We're not gonna deliberately chase something that's going to be destructive and a lie, right? We have to choose to follow God's rules. But obedience is the action behind trust. If I trust God, then I have to obey his rules and God gives us rules in the Bible they are laid out. He actually, this is where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments in the Bible. Okay, uh, the author of this book, Kevin Myers, does a great job paraphrasing it. So I'm going to read his. Kevin Myers did not write the Ten Commandments, right? These are from the Bible. Um, but number one, it says, Have no other gods before me. Don't bow to lesser things. Number two, no idols. They are deaf, dumb, and powerless. Number three, don't misuse my name. It's holy. Number four, honor the Sabbath. It's holy. Number five, honor your mother and father. Honor authority while growing up. Number six, do not murder. Life is precious. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Marriage is a holy vow. Number eight, do not steal. You don't want people stealing from you. Number nine, do not lie. You don't want people lying to you or about you. And number 10, do not covet. Envy steals peace while destroying gratitude and relationships. So God is forever good. Trust and follow his rules. His rules are going to give us life. This is so difficult in our culture, though. Right? Everything, don't we, aren't we guilty of interpreting rules the way that they best serve us? Or maybe how they're going to fit into our comfortable little lives? Think about it this way. So over here, we have God's kingdom. God makes the rules for his kingdom. He is the ruler of God's kingdom. Over here, we have Satan's culture. This is the world that's filled with sin, right? God makes the rules in his kingdom, but Satan influences the rules in the world. And and so here we are in the middle. And we have to decide. When we step into a relationship with Jesus, we're entering into his kingdom. Right? In his kingdom, there's truth about creation and relationships and marriages and the way that we conduct ourselves with our lives. Over here, we have very different interpretations of those same things. Right? The, these two worlds, they don't mix. It's one or the other. And so I think we have to decide who are we going to be chasing. These, these two worlds don't mix. It's oil and water, right? We, we as Christians know the truth, but we're immersed and living in the world. You know, think about it like this. So I have these two dollars. And from where you're sitting, they look very similar, right? But this one is actually a real dollar that has value. And this one is a piece of paper that I printed in my garage. And I was hoping I wouldn't get in trouble for printing fake money. (laughs) One of these is real, and the other one has no value. And isn't that exactly what Satan does? He takes what's real, And he masks it in something that is so minuscule, but it will give it no value. It's worthless. So we have a prerogative as Christians. If you in this room call yourself a Christ follower, we are in this kingdom. And so we have a prerogative to live our lives with love If we try and take our rules and we try and insert them into the world, they don't make sense, right? The world doesn't know Jesus. Those rules seem ridiculous. So it's not our job as Christians to judge the world. It's not our job. It's our job to love the world and to point them to Jesus. When the world comes into the church, right, flip the coin now, when the world comes into the church, as Christians, we still have to live by God's rules. We don't get to adopt that culture. It doesn't work like that. And so I wanna ask you, who or what are you chasing? Who or what will you chase? Are you chasing your own rules? How's that working out for you? Now that you know, what will you continue to chase? You know, there are things that I know God wants to do in us and through this church. And so what that is going to require of us is to grow up. It's going to require us to grow up. You know, God has more for us. God is going to transform us as a church in this season. And so I want to challenge you to be a part of it. If you call yourself a Christ follower, take part. Be part of what God is doing. He is going to transform us and He is going to gr- help us grow up in our faith and we are going to accomplish more than we ever thought possible because God is in the middle of it. So good. You know, there are some of you in this room who have been living by your own rules. You haven't yet stepped into God's kingdom. And We do this every week, but I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your own will and, and invite Jesus into your heart. You don't have to fix your past. You don't have to follow all the rules perfectly in order to come into a relationship with God. That's what Jesus is for. It's just a simple prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, if you feel that God is calling you to invite Him into your heart, then then we're, I'm just going to say a prayer. And you can just say it with me in your own heart. You don't have to get out of your seat. There's no embarrassment to you. But I believe today that God is calling some of you to His kingdom and is telling you to stop living by your own rules and your own agenda and just trust him go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes and if that's you you can pray these words with me just in your own heart say Jesus I don't want to make my own rules anymore I don't want to live and do this on my own God forgive me of my past I'm ready to surrender my life to you. And just let these words be the cry of your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my heart. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you please send us an email at info at Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.